Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey, and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights, and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's episode, Grass 10 champion Colin Doherty gives insight into his efforts to build a repeatable grass based system while moving towards halving his chemical nitrogen inputs. And Colin started by explaining the changes to the farm system, moving to spring milk production in the mid 2000s. My dad was always was always in dairy, all right, but he was very restricted with with quotas over the years. So he was actually a liquid milker up to about two thousand, I think, two thousand five uh, into early two thousand six. He he switched over, and then I was really coming into my own, I suppose, at that stage and into the. Um, it was two thousand nine. I left college, um, so we were milking around seventy cows that time, and he actually had a small suckler herd as well that time as well. Um, so we, um, yeah, so I suppose when I came home from college, I was working maybe off farm a little bit and also here, especially in the busy times. And then I suppose that 50, uh, 2015 was coming and quotas were going. We had a good bit of extra land around here. So we were always kind of looking at expanding a little bit. And, and as I said, that quota was restricted to my dad all the way along. So um, from 2015 to, to today, then we've, We've kind of grown the herd a little bit every year um, and we're we're milking about 200 and just over 220 cows now this year in 2022. And, you know, if, if we look at it, um, you know, I suppose you're recognised for your excellence in Grassland, Colin. Um, to you, um, you know, looking at the ideal, what does that look like for you in terms of your farming system and I suppose specifically in relation to Grassland? Yeah, I suppose the, the main thing for us is that, um, and me, what I've learned since I came home, it was really that um, we, we needed a plan, number one, but but that plan for us is always revolved around grass. Um, my dad was was always the kind of man who liked to get cows out early. Now, he was a very dry farm, so that was always possible too, but um, maybe the plan wasn't just as, as solid back in those days as it is now, but we always liked to focus on getting cow, uh, cows out to grass. And uh, our whole farm system really is built around what grass we can grow and utilize now. Um, everything else kind of falls into place from there. And on that, like, you know, I suppose, it, what are the, the stats? If you look at a rolling average of the last couple of years, what level of grass productivity are you achieving? Yeah, so probably, I suppose, before 2018 and the, the drought, we would have been maybe heading for the 17 tonne of grass grown here. Um, but uh, 18 was obviously a tougher year. We, we lost about three tonne that, that year. We were down to about um, 12 maybe. And then um, 19 was a better year. But look, we're, we're probably averaging around the 14 and a half or 15 tonne over the last five or six years. Do you see scope, Colin, there in terms of driving that further? You know, I suppose we, we are in a situation now where... Um, we're reducing the amount of nitrogen that we're spreading that is impacting on overall productivity on some farms. So that 14 and a half ton, is there more in it um, or, you know, are you content with that sort of number? Yeah, well, I, I suppose my um, my target would be a, an average of 15 ton. Um, a few years ago, it would have been probably more. But obviously, with, with the way things have, have changed a little bit in the last couple of years, um, we're not going to be able to grow that 17 or 18 ton. Uh, like we do have a very long growing season here and we get cows out a lot. So it, it probably would have been possible back with the higher levels of nitrogen and stuff. But now um, the, the target is is the 15 ton at 150 kilos of nitrogen, chemical nitrogen per hectare. 
And uh, I think that should be fairly achievable for us in the next few years. And looking at that 14 and a half ton, talk through ideal stocking rate, you know, be it milking platform and, and whole farm. Yeah, so well, look, I work really off of whole farm here all the time. Um, now, we were all in kind of one block here up to last year. We took on a couple of blocks. They're just within a mile of, of the home farm here. But so we work in, in whole farm because um, the way I've always looked at it is that we, whatever grass we, we grow dictates our stocking rate. And that's on the whole farm basis. The, the cows can graze here. Um, most of the year but uh, then we're bringing in the winter feed from the blocks up the road so um, really we're we're looking at that 14 and a half or even 15 ton dictating our stocking rate which should allow us to be kind of at 2.4 cows to the hectare overall um, we haven't just got there yet but uh, we're hoping to, to get to it next year and that idea you mentioned getting out to grass early in the spring um you know, there's, I suppose, no issues primarily with spring grazing. But if we look at the, I suppose, the the feed supply and the grazing system, grazing season in its entirety, um, you know, I suppose, how are you balancing things at the shoulders of the year where growth isn't as high as mid-season? Yeah, so up to now, I suppose we haven't had a major issue there because our stocking rate has been pretty manageable. Um, like, I mean, this this spring we got out, we get out kind of the last days of January every year and um we more or less you know graze graze right through um cows ate maybe i think about 30 or 40 kilos of silage in the springtime just in a couple of really bad nights and stuff and um we a couple of hundred kilos of meal i don't think we even we even fed 200 kilos of, of meal and the rest of the diet was grass to the milking cows so um the shoulders hasn't been an issue but this was in, in the plan next year is to stock this place a little bit heavier and we have a good bit of red clover growing in the in the farm um up the road so the, the plan would be to, to either zero graze or bring silage from them to fill those gaps in, in the shoulders of the deer. You know, you've mentioned the, I suppose, moving from winter milk to spring. Um, you know, how was the transition in in relation to cow productivity and, and fertility performance on the farm? Yeah, look, we had huge issues, to be honest. We It probably goes back to a little bit where, um, and my dad won't mind me saying that, like, you know, there was no real clear direction of how the farm was was going back in those days, and maybe the breeding policy, and then with the with the the, the all year round production meant the cows were fertility had just slipped and maybe a little bit unknowns to to us. Like so, um, when we went into the spring black calf and fertility was a huge issue trying trying to get them in calf at all, but also like late calvers and stuff. Um, and we we worked. I suppose we just really got heavily into the genomic system. Then, as soon as that came in, with EBIs, and uh, made huge progress. In fairness, in a couple of years, um, we, every bunch of heifers that we had coming in were just kind of lasting longer and going in calf easier. And uh, you know, but but we had a lot of work to do, and it took it took time. Like if we came out of winter milk in two thousand five, we probably were only getting into you know the kind of levels of fertility and in in 2014 or 15 but i would still say it's something that we need to keep working on too you know and production then like you you've mentioned you know heifers coming into the system you know late calvers fertility slipping so that would suggest you know that as what they you know you're either breeding for a, a long uh period of time or you're um you know you're culling cows who aren't fitting the system so you know how did that impact on productivity in terms yeah. of milk, milk solids 
yeah, it had a huge effect. Like when I, I was looking back at 2014's figures um, not that long ago and, you know, we were maybe doing, I think, around 370 kilos of milk solids per cow or something. Like we'd, you know, kind of probably 15 or 20% of the cows had in calf by the 1st of May for a good few years there. And, um, you know, productivity was was really, I look, I suppose it wasn't as bad as you'd think, but just in hindsight, um we've made huge strides in that too like but but uh, days in milk has been a big part of that like and and where are milk solids at today yeah, so so we did uh, 430 kilos of milk solids last year and uh, i'd say we'd be on probably around par this year um, maybe with a little bit less meal fed um but i the big the big progress with us has been our fat and protein so we've come from around 3 i think it was 339 in 2014 protein and uh, this year we'll be at around 380 protein. Uh, like obviously grassland management has to come into it a bit as well, but um, the, the fat has been a harder change. Probably we were around maybe 410 protein in, in 2014 and we're probably heading for 460 or four, yeah, 450 or 60 this year. Um, that, that's been a little bit harder to move, but um, we've made huge strides in that too. And going forward then, I mean, have you a number in mind? You know, people talk about their 500 kilo cow producing 500 kilos of of milk solids, you know, a kilo for a kilo. Is there a number that you have in your head for the system from a production perspective? Yeah, like, look, I like the idea of the, the kilo to kilo, but um, my whole system is driven on grass. So, uh, you know, I, I'd be very slow to kind of be swayed by production or, or uh, very cautious about, you know, trying to improve our production um, in any way, really. Like, you know, the whole system is based on grass. But having said that, we're, we weighed the cows again this year. We've weighed them for the last couple of years. They, they averaged 485. Now, we're still probably 50% first and second calver, so they're going to mature maybe a little bit heavier than that. But um, I'd love to get to the one one kilo to one. But I mean, anywhere where we are, a small improvement. Um, I'd be very happy with, to be honest. Um, and and stick to our guns with the with the grass system, like. And like you've mentioned the grass system and it, it is fundamental to uh, I suppose spring calving systems in Ireland. But if we take a, a step back and look at, I suppose, the, the bigger picture um, in Ireland, you know, you've mentioned you're looking at growing that 15 tonnes from 150 kilos of nitrogen. It's a different story to something that we would have seen five years ago on, a, on, on farms. And it is, you know, sustainability you know, across the board is something that we're really looking at. Um, to you, what are the two or three key things within your system at home that is future-proofing ye from a sustainability perspective? Yeah, well, I, I suppose the, the main one we're looking at is, is our nitrogen use efficiency and, and bringing that chemical nitrogen input down. Um, last year, we spread around 190 kilos of nitrogen a hectare. I mean, it, it's, it's at about 130 as we stand today, but probably saying we're going to finish at maybe 170 kilos of nitrogen per hectare. Um, but trying to get that down to the 150 while also sustaining our stocking rate by, by growing the grass is the main one. Um, after that, then we're using all all less slurry spreading. We're using protected urea since uh, 2017. We haven't spread any straight can. Um, and like we're doing all the other, you know, we're, we're working on our on our EBI and, and trying to produce that higher solid scow as well. Um, so we, we're like it's it's a lot of small things I suppose is what we're doing. 
Is there anything, Colin, outside of your environmental practices that you would see as, um, I suppose, sustainability metrics? Labour is a huge one here as well. Um, as we've grown, it's something that we've been very aware of and, and a lower labour cow has has had to be a kind of a priority too. Um, you know, we're like, I suppose in our growth, we've you learn a little bit every year and you learn that you just don't have the time to maybe do things that you used to do before. Um, but it also needs to be, farm needs to be the kind of place that people want to come and work, I suppose, and, and where we want to work, you know, where we can have a life outside of the farm um, and, and that kind of sustainability is very important to us too, you know. Uh, finally, Colin, um, you know, I suppose you are renowned now at, at this point for um, achieving the feat of Grass 10 champion last year. I've seen in recent weeks the applications have opened for the current year. Um, you know, I'd love to get some insight from you in terms of what you learned from the competition or, you know, has it been of benefit to your farm business? To be honest, it was something that I always, uh, you know, I was looked up to the winners of it and uh, even keep telling people that the, the day of the awards, I was really surprised when I was looking around the room at the at the farmers that were there that, that I was the one who won the overall, but um it, you know, it, it was really enjoyable experience. Even the day that the judges were here, um, was a kind of a you know it, it was very interesting to kind of open your farm to these people who would you know a lot of them had a lot more expertise than me in certain areas and it was more of an open discussion and it was really um there was a lot of benefit from that too um but i've uh yeah look i was really proud to win it and um i hope that you know as you said it, the the applications are open and i'd encourage people to, to definitely apply um it's it's there's you know it there's no major pressure in it or anything because even that day the, the judge and I felt you know what work we've done is is what we're being judged on I couldn't I couldn't change anything on the day or I couldn't impress them any more than, than what we've been doing so um it's a nice competition that way and uh yeah it, it's been great um I suppose the other big thing and, and look at something as well that I I kind of am looking forward to but would always have um uh been wanted to do really was you know we're, we're having a, a an open day here on the 6th of september and uh it, it'll be you know it'd be great to open up the farm and be able to welcome people in to show them what we do and uh hopefully people will be able to learn a little bit from what we're doing here as well and uh, obviously everyone is welcome that day that is super colin and it, it's great to get insight to your farm and as you say, massive changes over the, the years, you know, changing the system completely from winter milk, uh, while, you know, albeit there was a, a strong focus on grassland, regardless of that system and the incremental growth in herd size resulting from additional land that has become available, uh, sticking to your principles, um, you know, of, you know, primarily growing grass and that being the the, the feed that uh, drives the system and the productivity within the cows. Thank you, Colin. Thanks very much. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Colin Doherty for joining me on this week's show. In order to understand the aspects of the Dairy Edge, which are most appealing and beneficial to you, the listener, I would appreciate if you could take a few short minutes to complete the survey included in the show notes to give your feedback. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.